the CC. Welcome to the Controversial Conversation, the CC. I'm your host, W, and each week, like this week, I'll be bringing to you controversial topics and discussions from yesterday and today. To weigh in on these topics, you can follow me at the Controversial Conversation on Facebook and Instagram. Feminism and the Declaration of Sentiments. The sentiments, let's talk about them, because they are missing. The 1890s through the around the 1920s is called the woman's era. And one of the women's greatest influence came through membership and leadership in the women's Christian temperance. The WCTU was founded in 1874. It became the largest female organization in the United States. And many of these women who were reformers were middle and upper class women during this period. Many of these women were educated individuals, okay? Now, shifts in gender roles started during this time. Women started working more outside the home. Black women worked mostly as domestic servants or agriculture, while immigrant women had more low-paying factory work. For the native-born white women, they got the majority of the new jobs, the new opportunities, like working in the office. Remember the telephone operators? Yeah, they were mostly, if not all, white women. Now, before the 19th Amendment was passed, women were actually voting. At the time, it was up to the states and their laws on if women could vote or run for political office. The first Congresswoman, yep, I said it, Congresswoman, was elected in 1916. Her name was um, Jeanette Rankin. I hope I pronounced her name right. But Miss Rankin, who was also a member of the National American Women's Suffrage Association, was elected in the state of Montana. Now, this happened before, again, before the 19th Amendment was ratified in 1920. However, the 19th Amendment, which is also known as the Women's Suffrage Amendment, was originally introduced in 1878. That's about 42 years of fighting. And mostly from what I've seen, the suffrage movement had different waves or, you know, different political or speaking powers that came in in different times. But during the suffrage movement, you know, you had the first wave. They were the National American Women's Suffrage. This was made up of mostly middle and upper class women. As I stated before, they used an argument tactic of, hey, if these ignorant immigrants can vote, why can't the natively born American woman be granted the same privilege? Now, fast forwarding a bit, going down the road a little bit, a new set of activists came about. And these women were college educated women, and they were a bit more radical than their predecessors. This brought forth the National Women's Party with the leadership of Alice Paul. During the war, the war kind of helped the cause of women getting the right to vote, especially their service in working in wartime industries. From this help, 1920, the 19th Amendment was formed and women have the right to vote. And even after this right to vote, the National Women's Party still fought further for an equal rights amendment. Now, these weren't the only groups, okay? There were other groups that actually opposed the Equal Rights Amendment. Yep. The Women's Trade Union League, 
They oppose the ERA. But why would women not want an equal rights amendment? What was going through their heads at that time? Phyllis Schlafly claimed that the amendment would remove various legal protections for women. Legal protections. So by having equality, women would lose the benefits that, you know, was fought and sought out so hard to gain. So check this out. Mother's pension, also known as mother's aid. It says it was intended to provide universal subsidy to families with dependent children, but without an adult male income. Yep, you heard me right. They were also worried about how equality would also mess with the laws that were limiting women's hours of labor. So in other words, no, no, no to equality because women wanted their money from the government along with they wanted to work shorter hours than men. That's definitely not equality. Moving on, or should I say moving back a bit, as stated before, in 1890 to 1920 is considered the woman's era or the suffrage movement. However, before this time, an important document to the movement is signed by 68 women and 32 men, one man being Frederick Douglass himself. It was called the Declaration of Sentiments. Almost sounds like the Declaration of Independence. But guess what? That's exactly where they got their motivation from with this Declaration of Sentiment. Now, this document was written and powerhoused by Elizabeth Cady Stanton in 1848, and it presented in what's known today as the First Women's Rights Convention. Now, I'm going to try to quickly run through the sentiments that Stanton added in this document. Work with me. He has not ever permitted her to exercise her inalienable right to the elective franchise. He has compelled her to submit to laws in the formation of which she has no voice. He has withheld her from rights which are given to the most ignorant and degraded men, both natives and foreigners, having deprived her of the first right as a citizen, the elective franchise, thereby leaving her without representation in the halls of legislation. He has oppressed her on all sides. He has made her, if married, in the eye of the law, civilly dead. He has taken from her all right and property, even to the wages she earns. He has made her morally an irresponsible being as she can commit many crimes with impugny, provided they are done in the presence of her husband. In the covenant of marriage, she is compelled to promise obedience to her husband, he becoming, to all intents and purposes, her master. The law giving him power to deprive her of her liberty and to administer chastisement. He has framed the laws of divorce as to what shall be the proper cause of divorce. In case of separation, to whom the guardianship of the children shall be given as to be holy regardless of the happiness of the woman, the law, in all cases, going upon a false supposition of the supremacy of a man and giving all power into his hands. After depriving her of all rights as a married woman, if single and the ownership of property, he has taxed her to support a government 
which recognizes her only when her property can be made profitable to it. He has monopolized nearly all the profitable employments and from those she is permitted to follow. She receives but a scanty remuneration. He closes against her all the avenues to wealth and distinction, which he considers most honorable to himself. As a teacher of theology, medicine, or law, she is not known. He has denied her the facilities for obtaining a thorough education, all colleges being closed against her. He allows her in church as well as a state, but a subordinate position, claiming apostolic authority for her exclusion from the ministry and with some exceptions from any public participation in the affairs of the church. He has created a false public sentiment by giving to the world a different code of morals for men and women by which moral delinquencies which exclude women from society are not only tolerated but deemed a little account in men. He has usurped the prerogative of Jehovah himself, claiming it as his right to assign her to a sphere of action when that belongs to her conscience and her God. He has endeavored in every way that he could to destroy her confidence in her own powers to lessen her self-respect and to make her willing to lead a dependent and objective life. Now that was the end of the sentiments. That was the last one. And even just as reading them, there's a lot going on in those sentiments. A lot of things that it seems like shit's flipped to today's world, but we will get into that later. Right now, let's just take the time out to pay some bills. Yeah, let's go. All right, welcome back. And now let's keep it moving. One of the most known names in the suffrage movement or women's rights is Susan B. Anthony. There's a tradition that every election year, women will vote and then go to the Mount Hope Cemetery in New York and placed their I Voted stickers on Susan B. Anthony's tombstone. Now, another popular name in women's rights movement is Margaret Sanger. Now, Margaret Sanger, she um, she's one of the ones who made the term birth control a more common household name. She even opened the first birth control clinic and she basically franchised the clinic, which eventually evolved into today's Planned Parenthood centers. Now, the fight for for women and their rights was a it was a very serious one. It still is today. Now, I want to turn an eye to something. Margaret Sanger is widely recognized for her activism for women's rights. She is also a huge supporter of eugenics. Now, in case you don't know what eugenics is, let's go to Google. Now, according to Google, eugenics is the study of how to arrange reproduction within a human population to increase the occurrence of heritable characteristics regarded as desirable. It continued to say that developed largely by Sir Francis Galton, Galton, whatever, as a method of improving the human race, eugenics was increasingly discredited as an unscientific and racially biased during the 20th century. 
especially after the adoption of its doctrines by the Nazis in order to justify their treatment of Jews, disabled people, and other minority groups. So, in other words, okay, she was a supporter of eugenics and a supporter of the 13th Amendment that abolished slavery. Hmm. 15th Amendment gave black men, black men, I say again, black men, the right to vote, and boy, (laughs) were they pissed, okay? Well, it's been reported that Stanton said, quote, educated, virtuous white women were more worthy of the vote, end quote. Now, her partner, on the other hand, Susan B. Anthony said, quote, I will cut off this right arm of mine before I will ever work or demand the ballot for the Negro and not the woman. Now, it doesn't sound like to me that the feminist movement was inclusive of all women. But I guess that in today's world and times that it's okay because it's all inclusive now. Right. Okay. I mean, it it does seem that the only reason the movement moved was because of black women who had to stand behind the white women while marching the streets. I mean, but that's that's okay because it's not like that now. Right. You know, I mean, well, as long as you don't include the Democratic Party, who uses blacks for nothing more than a vote to keep their agenda going. But, you know, just saying they they literally used black women to get their numbers up for the support just so they can have the power. Hell, I googled the suffrage movement. I swear at least 95% of the images are all of white women. Quick side note. So for shits and giggles, I also googled a few other things. World War II, Vietnam, 1940s. And my question is, why when I look up things like this and the topics that I was just talking about and I look at the images. I've never found black people in the images. I mean, it's like if you want to find black people in Vietnam or World War Two, you actually have to type in the word black before or after it. Even though blacks have been a part of history, it's like the accomplishments that involve black people are hidden like a motherfucker. I mean, damn, it seems like black people are just always pushed to the side when it comes to, you know, accomplishments and things, you know, winning World War II and doing this and that. It's like, oh, we're not going to include the black people. What, what, what the fuck? Shit. All right. It's all right. Look, when it fits the agenda and the narrative of what they want, they will use whomever they can. And in this case, it was black women. Hell, Margaret Sanger was all for the sterilization of black women. Hell, matter of fact, she pushed birth control so much that it's, you know, women's birth control. I'm surprised it wasn't renamed race control. I mean, the motherfucker wanted to put birth control in the water. The motherfucking water. This is planned parenthood. This puts a different perspective on Roe v. Wade. I mean, shit. It seemed like Planned Parenthood seemed to, uh, it was designed to not help women, but to keep the population of blacks in check. A way to rid themselves of blacks by way of help manipulate the way we look at things so it doesn't look so bad. 
I mean, I swear, it seems like this shit sounds just like the Democratic Party, especially in the LBJ era. I'm going to have these niggas vote Democrat for the next 200 years. You know, I mean, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll save that conversation for another episode because I, I definitely do wonder sometimes why do black people still vote Democrat, you know, just blindly, you know, but, but I digress. You know, feminism has stemmed from, you know, a lot of different things and more, you know, than what I've just spoke about, you know, yet it seems based on statistical numbers, feminism is hurting women all the way around. I mean, one of the hardest hit would be black women. Why? It's probably because the movement wasn't for blacks. Carrie Chapman, cat. She is the founder of the League of Women Voters. Now, she's quoted saying white supremacy will be strengthened, not weakened by women's suffrage. Now, I, I wonder if this will be taught in the CRT classes. But again, that's for a different episode. Now, when you look at it, even though women fought for equality, and the right to be seen and heard as a human being equal to men as much as possible. It didn't go across the board. I say that because even though the 19th Amendment was put in place, the 19th did nothing. I repeat, nothing for blacks. Yes, black women still had big trouble and issues registering and casting their vote. Complete resistance so it's almost like once they they being the white women got what they wanted which was the numbers white women kicked blacks to the curb to fend for themselves because truthfully they never intended for black women to be equal to white women god forbid and still i ask why why follow that in which has given you the illusion of power just to be shut out, shut down? I mean, modern feminists seem like they are falling into the same trap that Susan B. Anthony and Margaret Sanger started. Use them to get what you want. Then find a way to get rid of them. Almost like you're expendable. Feminism changed the way women think it changed the way they act it changed the dynamics of the home we now have a high rate of single parent homes high number of divorce and the list goes on and on this could have very well been their plan all along find a way to divide the black man from the black woman Rid the husband and wife roles in the community. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's that's exactly what it sounded like. We now sit in a situation where the culture, the culture as a whole is divided because one side cannot get along with the other. It seems like it's by design. I mean, you have some people who look at the strength and empowerment that has come from the feminist movement. Then there are others who speak out in regards to the fact that the black community 
is trailing in numbers when it comes to various different successes, whether it be weighted in marriage numbers, divorce numbers, single parent homes, or even two parent households by population. It trails off when you look at the numbers. So why do we keep following those who do not look like us? While you have notable names that are known for the suffrage movement like Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Stanton, Lucy Stone, and Alice Paul, many times the people from the other side just don't get their due justice. People like Ida B. Wells, Sojourner Truth, Frederick Douglass, Mary Church Tyrell, Dr. Maddie E. Coleman, and Juno Frankie Pierce. I mean, these names have all been tossed to the side by their white counterparts. These women and men also fought for women's rights. But after the 19th was ratified, it wasn't the white woman who kept fighting. It was these black women and men who did. I mean, let's look. In 1920, the 19th Amendment was passed, giving women the right to vote. The 15th Amendment gave black men the right to vote. But yet Jim Crow was still enforced until about 1965. So these people knew that blacks weren't going to be treated fairly, yet they needed our men and women in order to get the laws they wanted passed. And again, I'm going to ask this question. Why do we keep following behind the people that keep fucking us in the long run? Women in this feminism quality that come forward has harmed and continuously brings devastation to our communities. Democrats exploit us to get our votes to keep them in power, all the while doing jack shit for us. The household is broken. Marriages are failing. Did these women who fought for equality think it would destroy the home? It's possible. I mean, Ida B. Wells was married, six kids. So Joyny Truth, married, five kids. Frances Harper, married. But then you look at the counterparts. Susan B. Anthony was never married, but she was the head of this, you know, suffrage movement. Then you have, you know, Margaret Sanger trying to sterilize blacks in order to boost the white purity. Now, there was somebody who wanted to have this debate with me um, not long ago, and I just would like to share with you her arguments in regards to feminism. I mean, do you not see anything wrong with this type of shit? I mean, <laughs> you have these modern feminists who call themselves Christians. I still have yet to figure out how in the fuck does that work? Hey, saints, good morning to you. God bless you. God bless you. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read verse 11 through 15. When you have it in your Bible, saints, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to assert authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam, for Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Let the church say amen. I need you all to understand where God is coming from. Look back to verse 9. Women are supposed to be modest. It says in verse 9 in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broadened hair, nor gold, or pearls, or costly arrays. Come on, church, I don't hear you right now. Let me hear you say amen. Amen. Now I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. Let me go ahead and wrap this up. 1 Corinthians, church, chapter 14. We're going to read verse 33 through 35. Come on, let me hear you say amen. amen. Now verse 33, it starts off with this. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Let your woman keep silence in the churches. For it's not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under the obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. And it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. Let me hear you say amen. Let me hear you say amen again. Let me hear you say amen. Now, is there any more that needs to be said? I mean, that's the end of the argument in which she gave to me. That was the end of that debate. While I don't necessarily personally fully agree, but I do understand the concept and the point in which she was trying to make. Women have a certain set of rules or roles in which they're supposed to play. And men have the same. Play a role. Do your job. We have to be careful on who we are following. Because as I stated earlier, you know, Susan B. Anthony and all them, they really didn't care about black people. They didn't. And you could say what you want. Oh, well, we have to do this and we still have to fight. And do that. Look, be careful who you fight with because they may not truly be on your side. When all they want is the numbers, they will say and do exactly what they have to in order to get your vote, your support, your money, 
whatever they can get out of you and then drop you like a bad habit and not give a damn. Be careful. Open your eyes. Listen. Don't run your mouth. Just listen. God gave you two eyes, two ears. But yet you want to run the thing that only has one, your mouth. Hmm. The CC. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Controversial Conversation. The CC. I'm sure this episode may or may not have pissed off some folk. Don't be mad. The CC is for entertainment and the views expressed may or may not be my personal views. But looking at it from a different perspective is all I'm doing. Almost like playing devil's advocate. Being more open-minded to things to be able to see another's point of view can be the beginning of a healing process. Remember to keep your eyes, ears, and minds open. Because you never know what you may learn. And no matter whether you agree with me or disagree with me, I respect your decision. But please, I still want to hear from you. Join in on the controversy and follow me at The Controversial Conversation on Facebook and Instagram. And once again... I'm your host. Dub, 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 dub.